Every now and then, a new product comes into the market that offers a genuine solution to a problem that almost everyone in the music business has, how to manage and share music. Welcome to the future of what? I'm your host, Portia Sabin, president of the independent record label, Kill Rockstars. Support for the future of what comes from Merch Table. With over 15 years of experience in merchandising, screen printing, tour support, and online fulfillment, MerchTable partners with artists and labels looking to jumpstart their business. Visit MerchTable.com to learn more and open a store today. On today's episode, we talk about Disco.ac, where it came from, and what it can do for anyone who needs to manage their music. It's all coming up on The Future of What. Support for the future of what comes from Sound Exchange. You're listening to the future of what. I'm talking to Carl Richter of Level Two Music. Carl, welcome to the future of what. Hey, Portia. Nice to be on the show. So today we are actually talking about disco, and you are a very good person to talk to about disco because, from what I understand, you kind of invented it at your office. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm a music supervisor. <laughs> yep. And I guess it was, uh, Disco was kind of created really to solve a problem that we had as a, as a music supervision team. And initially it was only kind of meant to be for us, but we uh, first of all saw that it was working for us and then thought, well, actually maybe some other people would enjoy this as well. So now did you have someone on your team actually design the software for Disco or did you design it? Like who made it happen? So it was kind of a combination of things. I guess it got baked into it the workflow that we've had from 16 years of music supervision. So there's aspects of that have come from just the problems that we faced and the things that we had to make better and, and solve for ourselves. And then we took that and initially had just started with a couple of people that were working on it almost on a consultancy basis to create that product. And that process itself took close on four years. After that, we started to build a team around that. So, you know, product manager and front-end designers that could look at the UI and the UX and then also additional back-end team. But it's always been something that we built internally. It was never something that we outsourced to an agency. And, and ultimately, I think, you know, that could be something that you'd look at and say, well, that's almost a bit of overkill, but I think it's paid off in that we've sort of controlled every nuance and every lovely thing that people, you know, delight in it has come through because it's been very thoughtfully and very slowly put together. So let's talk for a second about the problem that existed that needed solving that you guys have solved with Disco, because I think it's a really universal problem in the music industry for everyone. Even me, you know, I run a record label and we don't have that many people, but still, you know, let's say I get a demo and I like it and I want to share it with the rest of my office. You know, music sharing, sharing files is the thing that we all have to deal with, I would say. That's exactly right. It was just this very simple premise that I saw our team just wasting time on uploading and downloading files. You know, as music supervisors, we are literally receiving, you know, maybe 20 links a day. Now, if you start downloading all of those files and then you're having to put them into iTunes, which was never intended to be used in that way, and then you're having to upload again, you can imagine the amount of time lost. And and I think that's been one of those things. I think music supervisors have 
you know, we're all crazy, different, weird, wonderful personalities. But the, the one thing is, is I think that we're all quite obsessive. And if you sort of take that busy work, which is, is work that's really kind of wasted on just uploading and downloading and actually put that into, well, take that time away and instead you can be creative and be searching and, and thinking about what that next song is. If you can take that part out of your day, it, it really frees you up and allows you to be much more creative than you would be otherwise. And the other thing is, is that's a problem that, as you say, is not just restricted to music supervisors. So the one thing, if you're a manager, if you're a record label, if you're you know, working in PR, if you're working in A&R, the one common thing that we all do each and every day is share music files. We either receive them and forward them on or we're reviewing them and taking them internally with the team. But it's kind of that, that one problem that's very specific to music industry as opposed to the consumer side, which has been, you know, I think sort of completely played out with streaming, but it's, it, it's a problem streaming can't fix. Absolutely. So now who came up with the name Disco? Well, it was short for discovery and we kind of didn't really have a name for it internally because we, we never really meant to have, you know, it was never going to be something that, that other people were using. But then we shared it with a local record here, Mushroom, and they started calling it Discovery and, and then we shortened that to Disco. And then actually the ISCO is actually based on, I think, probably part of what makes it interesting and unique in that it's intuitive search, creative organisation and I think this, you know, the whole idea was was that the platform was meant to work as sort of fast as you think. And the, the other products and the other things that were out there really kind of were sort of set up more as like a, an IT person's idea of the job that we actually did as opposed to the job that we actually did and the problems that we had to solve. Absolutely. And also, I think I should just point out that because you're Australian, you guys shorten everything. So I think that's really awesome yeah. that it used to be Discovery. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, exactly right. It's either a name like Macca yeah. or you know, putting an O on the end of something is very Australian. I hadn't thought of that, but yeah. Yeah, well, from my perspective, I'm like, oh, these people are Australian. Yeah, yeah. has to be, yeah. Has to be. So let's talk a little bit about the functionality of Disco. I have been using it now for, I don't know, six months or something, and it's so great. I mean, I am personally really grateful to you guys for coming up with this because it just makes everything so much easier because really we do this all the time. I mean, this is a big part of our business is not just sharing music internally, but for example, when we have a new record and we want to share it with our licensing company, they have a disco account. We have a disco account. We simply upload it to our disco, boom, send it to them. They've got it. It's incredibly useful in our day-to-day business. So, you know, thanks. Good on you for that. <laughs> that's so awesome to hear. And, and I think that's been one of the lovely things about this whole process is that my background working at independent record labels and then running my own company. And again, they're working very much as an indie. And this tool here, I think it's about trying to save your time and make you know your working life basically as productive as possible. Now, the fact that there's this one problem that's shared by everyone within the music ecosystem, so be that your rep company or your PR company, and essentially it's kind of a gatekeeper-driven platform in that if you can get this to the person that is going to get it onto radio or is going to get it into a TV show or is going to be able to help you get that gig on that festival or whatever it might be, 
if you can make their lives as easy as possible, then it sort of democratizes that whole process. And that, I think, is super powerful because then suddenly you have a tool that means that you're working the best that you possibly can be and, and so are the people around you. So I love hearing these stories. I mean, we hear from people that sort of say, oh, I'd like you've sort of been sitting there looking over my shoulder and you, I kind of think of something and I find it there on the platform and it's like you, you're kind of watching me work. And that's really what we've strived to do every step of the way is, is that the job that you do as a record label is going to be slightly different from what the person who's working is your licensing rep to whatever your PR person is doing. So we're trying to accommodate all of those things in the platform while still making it really kind of as simple and intuitive as possible as well. Well, I think one of the cool things about Disco is that it's easy and it's intuitive. You know, you can look at it, you can see a whole catalog, but it's arranged simply by album. You know, you can see that. But then you can dive down, you can do these deep dives into each album. And if you open up the album, then you have each of the tracks and you can find artwork and lyrics and everything, sort of just these layers that are just all encapsulated in one easy thing that you can just click on. And you're like, oh, here's the whole thing. Click. And I can send that to whoever I want. And then they have all of that stuff. So it's it's powerful. I think that's what I'm trying to say. It's powerful, but really simple. So I think that's one of the best features of it. That's awesome to hear as well. And I, and I think part of the thing here is, is that a powerful platform shouldn't be this overworked. It shouldn't be something that gets in the way of the job that you have to do. So it should, from the outside, feel simple and feel easy. But I think that's been kind of common theme is is that this is much more than just a pitching tool. We have record labels that have hundreds of thousands of copyrights that they manage on this platform. And at the same time, it's still simple enough that their sync team or their product person or whoever it is can actually use this and use it quickly and and easily through the day because everyone's on a deadline. And at the same time, an artist that might have 20 songs, for them, this is like a sort of super powerful Dropbox, you know, so it becomes this thing that houses all of the metadata, has all of the artwork, has the lyrics, has all those things. And if sort of right from the very beginning after you've created music, if it's sitting there in a disco, then immediately it's something that you can sort of move quickly through your network around you, as opposed to, oh, here's bland storage account X and, you know, you have to sort of try and find all of that information in there, which often isn't actually there accompanying the file. Exactly. Right. And I mean, I don't know about you, but I have never understood Dropbox. <laughs> like I could never figure out how to work Dropbox. And you know, over the years, you know, over the last, whatever, 15 years that we've been dealing with digital or whatever, you know, I would have various employees come around who would be like, oh, we can use Dropbox for this. And then they would start loading up my Dropbox with stuff. And I'm just like, I am never going to go there. Like, I don't understand it. It drives me crazy. Like, it always tells me different things when I go there. Like, it just wasn't useful and I didn't want to work with it. But then on the other hand, iTunes, like you said, wasn't built for this. So I would end up with, you know, six versions of the same song in iTunes and have a really hard time figuring out which version I was listening to. It was really overwhelming. And I feel like that's what's great about disco is it's discrete. Like, it creates these, like, little discrete units for each song. And then, you know, you exactly what you're looking at. And it doesn't like clutter my brain. It it makes my brain happy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe just me, but still. No, no. Again, it's exactly that. It's it's kind of meant to make you feel creative. It's not meant to be the focus of what you're actually doing. And everything I think up until now has been a bit of a hodgepodge of, well, you've got storage over here and then you're trying to ram it into 
a consumer platform like iTunes over there, and then and that's not even to mention the the fear that you have. And this happened to me, and it was sort of one of the triggers for me was, you know, when my iTunes crashed and I lost several years worth of playlists. And I know that there are people out there that haven't upgraded their system that they're working on because they're still needing to use an iTunes that was a layout that they liked from, you know, five years ago. (laughs) Now, you only need to lose four years worth of playlists once. There's a fear there. So it's kind of that as well. And, And to not have that third version that came from, you know, session on a particular day and and then everyone's there saying, hey, whereabouts is it? And you can't actually find it quickly and instinctively. I think, you know, it's just those little things that probably don't mean that much to other people, but for people whose job it is, it's like super important. Well, I'm really glad you put it that way because that's sort of the message that I'm constantly trying to give on this show is that musicians, they love playing music and it's because playing music is really fun. But for a lot of us in this business, this is our job. Like we get up and we go to the office every day and we do this for eight to 10 to 12 hours a day. This is really a a real job. It's fun, but it's also like, you know, the source of our income. And when you have a real job in the music business, this is one of the most important things you can do is save your time and make the things that you do easier. So this is an incredible advance in my book. And I honestly can't believe we didn't have it years ago. Yeah, well, it's kind of like you were talking about trends for 2019 recently, and I think blockchain came up, and you were there saying, yeah, but blockchain won't work unless you have the right email address and the right way to contact people. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like a blockchain naysayer. (laughs) (laughs) But look, that is the reality, is the music industry is made up of this very tangled web of threads of connections and relationships and little admin jobs that have to happen every day. And that is the reality of running a record label or or publisher or even, you know, an artist or a management company or whatever it can be. So in a way, getting down to what is a really simple problem that everyone had that could be solved and should have been solved years ago, the things that can kind of come out of that, I think, are super powerful. And yeah, that's great to talk about blockchain. It's great to talk about all the things that might happen when you have a ledger and, and so forth. But first of all, let's just work out how we can actually share music easily with each other and manage that. Exactly. It's tough running an indie label. I mean, you know that. And so anything that can actually make that day a, a bit easier and, and make your team a bit more powerful and, and get you a few more wins on the board, you know, I think those things all add up as well. Absolutely. And I will tell you another thing, you know, one thing when you create something that is really helpful you notice it because people start using it in ways that it wasn't intended to be used, which is kind of a good thing. We just recently used Disco as our platform for press for one of our new records that's coming out in May. You know, we gave access to our Disco file for that album, plus photos, bio, et cetera, to our publicist. And I recently got an email from her saying, wow, this is really great. I wish more record labels used Disco. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that that's great because... If you fall in love with the problem rather than the product, then these are the sorts of stories that you're kind of hearing back is, okay, great. Well, actually, we've got this problem over here. Disco can solve it. And, you know, that was probably part of the reason why we sort of put out a part of the product, which is called Email Creator, which, again, it's like, well, you don't need to go off to MailChimp or to Campaign Monitor or another platform. You can do all of that within Disco. So again, more time saved 
happy PR company. And also you can kind of control the way in which your artists are being represented out in the real world, which, you know, I think, again, is sort of super important. And people don't sort of really think about just how much as an indie label or as a, you know, someone managing a band, how much you actually think about how that band is perceived and presented publicly. But the amount of care that goes into that, it should be the right platform to be able to present that appropriately. Absolutely. And that's one of our biggest problems is, you know, you'll do something like release a press release announcing a new record for a band that's been around. And the person who's putting up the blog post puts up a picture that's five years old. Yeah. You know, and none of the members are the same members or whatever. You know, you you just run into stuff like that all the time. Whereas with disco, if everything's in one place, you know, then at least if they do that, they don't have a good excuse (laughs) because you gave them the assets. (laughs) And also the excuse of, oh, yeah, I've had to listen to that or I haven't got the email. It's like, oh, no, we can see that you have got it. Yeah, isn't that great? Oh, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because that's one of the best parts is you can see who's been looking and listening. It's fantastic. And you know what? That isn't a bad thing for the receiver either because then that's like one less email that they have to answer saying, yes, I have got it. Yeah. Because if you can see that they've got it, and you can also then see, actually, they're really digging track four. I thought they were going to like the second one, but... You know, it's sort of that thing where there's as much information there as you kind of want to get out of it. And you can just simply use it to transfer files on and manage your collection of music, whatever that might be. But it it, it does have all of these other attributes around it as well. Exactly. Well, Carl, I don't want to take any more of your time, but I want to thank you for creating this awesome product that we are enjoying. (laughs) Thank you so much, Portia. It's been great to be on the show. and, And it's fantastic to hear these stories. It's awesome just to have what's essentially been my last little indie band in a way. It's like, well, let's let's find people in the community that want to champion this product and talk about it. And and if it makes them happy and solves their problems, then they'll mention it to someone else. And and essentially that's kind of when a great indie band happens is, is when other people talk about it and, and start championing them. So thank you for supporting us. It's really appreciated. Nice analogy. Right. Well done. (laughs) Carl Richter from Level 2 Music. Thanks for being with us on The Future of What? Cheers. Thanks for having me.
That was Only Lovers Are Broken by Filthy Friends. I get a ton of songs in my inbox every day, but managing them is a hassle. Disco makes managing and showcasing your music a breeze. It's like all the best bits of iTunes, SoundCloud, Dropbox, and MailChimp in one place. Whether you're an artist, manager, producer, sync rep, label, or music supervisor, Disco lets you manage and share your most valuable asset, your music. Head over to disco.ac backslash future for a free trial. Plans start at just $10 a month. And when you're ready to go, use offer code future for 20% off. If you're enjoying this program, please subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at KRSFOW and subscribe to our newsletter to find out what's coming up next. You're listening to The Future of What. I'm talking to Whitney Pilzer. Whitney, welcome to The Future of What. Thank you so much. Great to be here. I'm happy to have you. So today's episode, we are talking about the wonderful disco. And I know that you have been involved with disco and use it in your business. So I wanted to just talk to you about how you got involved with them. Sure. Yeah, I love disco. You know, it's been challenging over the last few years as as things have sort of evolved, you know, into this digital streaming sphere. You know, I find that there are two main value points of disco. First of all, just having an organized music library can be a huge undertaking. I've had many issues with organizing on iTunes or just sort of organizing on a hard drive. It can be really difficult, and Disco has a beautiful interface that makes it really, really easy to organize all of your music, to tag things appropriately, to kind of make different folders that you can reference. It's just a wonderful system that I love using to organize my music. And then on the other side of things, the other huge value point for me is sort of being able to share playlists seamlessly with directors, producers, editors. In the past, it's been sort of like, you know, well, do they need to download it or do they need to stream it? Should we send a Dropbox link? But if they don't have Dropbox set up, then they have to register. And it's sort of this whole convoluted process. You know, Spotify has been great in the past, but then you can't download those files. And a lot of times, especially when sending things to editorial in particular, they need to download the MP3s or the waves to have for their system. So with Disco, it is able to just be all in one place. You can stream, you can download. It's a really beautiful link that you can click through and you can have your company logo. It just looks very professional and it's really easy for whoever you're sending the link to. They can access it without a problem. Yeah, I agree with you completely because we've been using it and we're a record label. So, you know, we use it in a slightly different way, but the sharing of music easily is just so great. And also, especially, I mean, I don't know, as a freelance, if you work with other people, Mm -hmm. like at your company, or if you work on your own, but if you work in like an office and you want to share music, it's amazingly useful to be able to all have it in one place like that. Yeah, definitely. I was with a fantastic company called Full Pursuit for four years. And for the last six months to a year, we were all using it collaboratively. And it's amazing to be able to share that with your teammates as well and receiving, you know, blasts of music from different labels and publishers and kind of being able to organize everything in the same central sort of music library was incredibly helpful as well. Yeah, absolutely. Now, let me ask you a question that's a little bit tangential, but you know, this is a music business podcast, so I'm always really interested in businessy type stuff. Yeah. As a freelance music supervisor, where do you get your music from? 
So I receive music from all the major labels, all the independent labels normally will, you know, have someone who's sending that out, third-party sync licensing companies that represent smaller labels and publishers, major publishers, smaller publishers, artist managers, even some agents will send music. So it's really coming in from all angles. So it really is important to have like a centralized place where everything can be organized. Absolutely. Do you have like a special niche in the music supervision world? Like, do you mostly do film or do you mostly do TV or do you do a lot of things? Yeah, I've worked on a variety of different television and film projects. I only very recently sort of went out on my own. So I'm still figuring out what that is looking like. But I love working on both film and television for sure. Mm -hmm. Do you do advertisements as well? No, I haven't done too many ads. At the last company I was at, one of the partners sort of had a hand in some ads. So I did get to pitch a couple of times for some bigger ads, but I haven't spent too much time in that space. I just wonder because, you know, I'm always interested. I don't necessarily know all the ins and outs of how different aspects of the industry work. And so I was wondering if certain companies are like definitely more focused on film and TV and then other companies are more focused on ads. I'm assuming that that's how it works. Yeah, exactly. So the company that I was with was primarily film and television. And there are definitely some smaller supervision companies that are really kind of exclusively films or exclusively TV. So, you know, I feel really lucky to have had the opportunity to work with both sides of that because they are incredibly different processes, you know, each having their own sort of pros and cons, if you will, you know, and even working on indie films versus big studio films, they're all really different. So I think different companies sort of figure out, you know, what workflow works best for them, what projects they prefer to work on. I personally love having a variety going on. I think it just keeps things, you know, interesting for the most part. Right. Absolutely. (laughs) So one of the other cool things that I like about disco, you know, being a record label, we like to keep everything sort of like together as an album. Mm -hmm. So it's like you can put everything that an album needs into one file in disco. So you can have the lyrics and the bio and the photos and all the stuff that you want. And you can also kind of have the singles in there, but separate, like if you have a radio edit for a single or whatever, you know, you can have all those little bits and pieces. And I don't know if you find that you actually use that in the same way, or if you really are working on more of a singles basis, but I just wanted to ask like how you organize stuff. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, the organization sort of depends on the project, but I love that you brought up the capability of including other assets besides just the MP3. Like, for example, if we're working on a project that has a band that's performing on camera, for example, and I want to send off to the sound mixer for set, I want to send the audio files for sure, which normally would include like a thumb track and the full mix of the song, maybe the acapella, depending on the need of the scene. But then also, you know, we need to include the lyrics and sometimes we need to include maybe documents that have like the different instrumentation or whatever it is. So I love that on disco, you can include all of those things in a file, you know, and you don't have to be sending separate links to different things. It can just all sort of live in one place. I think that's amazing. Yeah, I agree. And it's really funny because I guess, you know, some people might listen to this and be like, oh, that sounds really dumb. Like, why can't you just send a separate email? But when you're dealing with music on like the bulk scale that most of us are, it's just ridiculous. Like you can lose stuff so easily. I mean, I used to lose stuff in iTunes all the time Yeah, because people would send me like different versions of the same song Mm -hmm. and I'd be like, forget it, dudes. (laughs) There's seven things in here with the same name. I have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) 
<laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's too crazy, but definitely on disco, it's like you can so easily like label things and then you can create the different sections too, which I find really helpful. Like for example, if I'm pitching something, maybe one episode of TV has five different scenes that we need music for. And instead of having to create five totally separate folders, I can just create the one and then do different sections for each scene, which is really nice for my editors too, because they can just open it up and like click a drop down and just see for each scene rather than having to say like, oh man, well, she sent stuff for this scene, but I can't find that email, but I know it was on this day. And it just gets really crazy. So having everything in one place like that is exponentially helpful. I can't tell you how much time it saves me. Yeah, that's fantastic. Do you have anything else that you would like to particularly say about Disco? I mean, it's definitely been a huge lifesaver in so many different ways. It seems to have answered so many problems that you know, other platforms really just didn't have an answer for. And I love that it was actually developed by music supervisors. So they totally get it. And they're willing to update things. You know, like if I came to them and I said, hey guys, like this isn't working like I'd like it. You know, I really think that XYZ function could be really cool. You know, they'll take that and they might include that in their next update of the software. So it's really helpful just to be sort of in this collaborative space with them and be able to give that sort of input. You know, things are constantly shifting and I love that they're willing to be that fluid with the program. It's really helpful. Yeah, I completely agree. And I also think disco to me is really refreshing because I feel like what I find constantly for the last 10 years is tech people coming up with like a solution in search of a problem, Mm -hmm. right? They're like, we have this awesome app that's going to do this amazing thing. And I'm like, I don't want to do that thing. Like that is not a thing I'm interested (laughs) in. But but this is like, I hadn't even like dreamed there could be a solution for my problem. And, you know, my Dropbox slash in iTunes slash like crappy just filing system problem. Like I didn't know that there could be a solution. And so when this came along, it's funny, it's like sound exchange. I was like really skeptical. I was like, oh, yeah, they're going to solve my problem. I don't. Yeah, bring it on. Uh Right. I didn't believe it. And then I was like, oh, my God, look at how this works. This is so amazing. So, yeah. It's so true. It's so true. I totally get that. Exactly. <laughs> Silly. Silly but true. <laughs> well, Whitney Pilzer, thank you so much for talking to me today and being with us on The Future of What. Thank you so much for having me. This has been great. I really appreciate it.
That was Break Me by Filthy Friends. You're listening to The Future of What? After the show, take a moment to leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. It helps people find the show, and we love hearing from you. When Kill Rockstars was looking for someone to take over our fulfillment operation, Merch Table stepped up to do the heavy lifting, moving our entire stock to their warehouse and helping us create merch our fans love. With Merch Table's support, we've been able to focus on the music and artists that matter to us. KRS loves Merch Table. See what they can do for your business at merchtable.com. You're listening to The Future of What? I'm talking to Pete Beck of Believe. Pete, welcome to The Future of What? Hello, how are you doing? Good, good. So we are doing an episode today on disco, because disco is this sort of amazing tool that I think some people in the industry have found out about, and some people don't know about at all. And it's got a lot of really cool uses. So I wanted to talk to you, since you do Sync for Believe Digital, which is actually a distributor, and also for TuneCore. You can explain to us how that works. But I wanted to just talk to you about your interactions with Disco and how you use it. Yeah, sure. So I guess maybe worth just doing a quick rundown of where we are and, and what type of music we work with and how Disco fits into that, I guess. So yeah, I, I run the Sync team for Believe. We, there's no longer a digital on the end of that, but that's I'll forgive you there. And uh, TuneCore. And the, the TuneCore guys obviously work out of the USA. We have people in LA and New York. And the Believe guys work out of Europe. So we have a team here in London and we have a team in Paris and we have offices all over the place. So there's a lot of music coming from a lot of different sources. One of the big issues that we have, like any other major distributor or record label or publisher, is how do we organize that music effectively, tag it effectively and share it effectively across the, the teams. And so that's how we came across Disco. And so, you know, we use it to yeah do all of those things, keep all our music in one place, and then pitch out to clients and, and, and track those pitches as well. Excellent. Yeah. It's incredibly useful in that regard. So do you want to tell us a little bit? So you guys changed from Believe, and what's your connection with TuneCore? How does that work? Sure. So small potted history of, of Believe. So we are a French digital distributor, well, that's what we started as, and we, we look after something like 9 million tracks worldwide in, in some capacity or, of an, or another. That could be pure digital distribution, to, so Spotify, iTunes, whatever. It could be YouTube content management. You could be signed to one of our independent in-house labels. So we have some labels here called All Points, which used to be Believe Recordings, and a couple of other in-house labels. Or you could be signed to us via a label or artist services deal. So that's the side of the business that's grown quite quickly over the past few years. We believe Sync is, sits in that and we kind of slot into those sorts of projects and become a kind of de facto Sync department for those artists and those labels. Our relationship with TuneCore is that Believe bought TuneCore a few years ago. And now both businesses kind of run their own independent business, but obviously there's a lot of collaboration between us and how we work it on the sync side of things is because TuneCore had a setup in the USA already in the US is such an important market for sync we said okay well why don't you guys handle our licensing in the states and we'll handle your licensing in the rest of the world and that in a super short nutshell is is how we do it 
but obviously that requires a lot of you know cross-country collaboration, lots of communication, and a, and a solid platform for sharing music in between the team as well as sharing music with our clients. How did you guys find out about Disco? So there's there's two people that work for Disco who are close to me and the guys at Chinkor actually. Tim is a, is a good friend of Peter Suk, who's our who's our guy in LA, and actually Claire Lothian, who works for Disco in London now used to be at Believe working sync. So she's been banging on at me for ages before we finally decided to uh, make the call. So to be honest with you, it's one of those things that everybody's using it now. There's a couple of these platforms around and a couple of different tools and a couple of different ways for people to manage their music for sync. But Disco is, is by far the most simple and cost-effective one. And in my mind, at least, it feels like it's grown very, very quickly into a market and made itself the sort of front runner. So we find a lot of supervisors are using Disco now and a lot of publishing or, or record label contemporaries are using it as well. Right, because I think I've said this to some people that I've spoken to about this already, but it bears repeating. I, f- I feel like Disco was a solution to a real problem as opposed to a lot of tech things in the music space, which tend to be solutions in search of a problem. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's probably fair. I think the great thing about it is that it's designed and made by music supervisors, right? So the guys at level two, I think I'm right in saying they sort of got sick of managing all their MP3s or whatever. So they said, well, let's build our own tool. And I I think that's where it came from. And you can really tell because that's the way that it sort of intuitively does all the things that we need it to do, but without any of the kind of excess tech stuff that maybe a tech programmer might think we need, whereas actually what we need is just a a relatively simple set of tools that works well and works intuitively in in a creative sense. That's what sets it apart, I think, for me, from using, you know, something like Dropbox or or WeTransfer or whatever, that the creative tools that it gives you are are very, very simple, but, you know, infinitely useful. Right. And the organizational capacity, I think, is something that really makes me happy because I don't know about you, but I just had iTunes. My iTunes box was like a wasteland. Like I couldn't go to (laughs) iTunes anymore. You know, I just couldn't even look at it because I was like, I don't know what's in there. There's seven versions of the same song with weird names. And, you know, I just can't I can't do it. So it was an it's an amazing solution in that way. And then just in terms of, you know, you can find things. Yeah, I mean, I, when I joined Believe, I inherited a laptop with somebody's old iTunes on there. And there was something, you know, there's like 2,000 songs on there. And, and you know, some of, them are, some of them are tagged properly and labeled properly, and some of them are not. And you have to kind of go into the mind of someone else to try and find what you're looking for. And, yeah, it's, it's less than ideal. Yeah, no doubt. And apart from anything else, it takes up all your space. I've got like three hard drives full of MP3s (laughs) that I'd rather not carry around with me. Exactly. So let me just ask you a question. As a distributor, how do you guys do it at Believe for your artists? You know, artists are always so interested in how can I license my music? You know, how can I get syncs? Is it part of your contract that everybody's music is available for syncs? Or do artists sign up for that? Or how does that work? It's kind of an ever-changing conversation, I think. Uh, forgive me if this is a little bit of a long-winded answer. So 
one of Believe's core strengths and one of the ways that we managed to grow so quickly in the early days is that our tech solutions are, are we put a lot of time and effort into that side of the business and our, our IT development team is huge. And so from a distribution point of view and a royalty tracking point of view and neighboring rights and contractual stuff and, and all that other stuff that a distributor needs to do, we have our own system and it's very, very sophisticated and, and you know all distributors will tell you that their system is the best, but we are very proud of that system. And so part of the thing that that does is it collects all of the asset data that we would need as a label. The only thing it doesn't have is a song pitching tool. And the Believe Sync has grown relatively quickly over the past few years, but in terms of the business as a whole, it was never, you know, it was never a huge part of the business. And part of what my job is, is, is to change that and grow the sync side of the, the business. So it didn't really ever make sense to kind of go, okay, well, let's invest a load of time and effort into building a, a song pitching tool with our existing tech, which is why we go through Disco. And part of the way that the sync department has grown has been that we've gone from picking a lot of non-exclusive rights up on catalogs. So a few years ago, if you did a, a distribution deal, there's likely to be a non-exclusive sync clause in that deal if you were interested in that. And what that means is that we can pitch that music if we want to, but we have to be very specific about where we pitch it and we have to be able to prove that we've brought in a specific use in order to license it. What we're doing now, and, and this goes as well with the the general focus on Believe, where we're looking at more label and artist services deals. What we do now is we say, okay, well, let's work with fewer artists and fewer labels, but let's work that stuff in a much more holistic and long-term way. So we're working on releases exclusively now. We're getting way more involved in the release cycles and the, the marketing plans of those releases and we're still doing all the normal stuff that we would do to pitch music to brief, but we're doing a lot of other ancillary sync work around that stuff as well. And so what it means is that we're having more in-depth conversations with artists and labels early on. And so we're able to pull all that music and make sure that we have all of those assets in the disco system, first and foremost. So in a long and short of it is if you're an artist who's with Believe and you want to talk more about sync, you will have a contact at Believe that you can email and say, hey, can you help me up with the sync guys? What do they think of the records? Can we work closer together there? And then, you know, once that happens, we kind of make a call on whether or not we think we can do a good job with that music. Right. I always tell my artists on my label that getting a sync is like getting struck by lightning. It's just <laughs> yes. a random thing. It's not something you can really plan for. But what advice would you give artists? Because a lot of artists are so interested in, you know, oh, I'd love to sync my music. How can I make that happen? Do you have any particular advice for artists? Yeah, I think the conversation that I always have is, yeah, when somebody uses your music, they've decided to use that particular song over every single piece of recorded music in the history of recorded music and any potential piece of bespoke work that could be made. So if you if you stop and think about that for a second, you realize how stacked the odds are against you. And so I think, you know, the, the, the first piece of advice that I give people is don't try and force it. If people start making records with sync in mind, or if they think that if they do certain things or they write certain lyrics, then that's going to make sync more likely. My experience has been that actually it's the opposite. I can always tell when somebody's 
kind of gone after a particular brand or a particular use or whatever. And I think supervisors and clients can too. The thing that is interesting for, for our clients and is for interesting for us is, is music that's exciting and that's interesting and unique. So my advice is always that, is to just do what you're doing and, you know, with the right team behind you, then you're going to be in the right positions to pick up those things. And if it doesn't happen, then it doesn't happen. But trying to force it is is often the downfall of, of somebody trying to get a sync, I think. Certainly from supervisor friends who I know who get pretty sick of seeing the same name pop up in their inbox. <laughs> right. So be authentic. That's your advice. I think so. Yeah. Be authentic and be realistic. And if it happens, that's great. But you can be waiting f- for a long time if, if you're going to pin your career hopes on landing <laughs> a, a big sink. Good advice. Well, Pete Beck is Global Head of Sync at Believe. Pete, thanks so much for being with me on The Future of What today. Thanks for talking to me. That was Last Chance County by Filthy Friends. Also check out our short podcast series about Bratmobile's Potty Mouth. 
It's called Girl Germs, and you can get it wherever you get your podcasts. And that's our show. The music we played today was used by permission. You heard songs by Filthy Friends and, of course, our theme song, Mind Your Own Business by The Delta Five. Subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. For more info on our shows, check out our website at killrockstars.com slash thefutureofwhat and sign up for our newsletter. Our program was engineered by Brent Asbury at Beta Petrol and is produced by Will Watts. I'm Portia Sabin, president of Kill Rockstars. See you next week. Come